That, that's what we want. We want them to hear the hope of Jesus. And so, but we also want to meet them where they're at. You know, people aren't projects. You are not a project. I'm not a project. We're humans. We're people with real lives and real needs and real hurts. And we as a church want to be mindful of that. The last three points of our vision are more tangible. Number three says we want to create five new real communities this fall. Right now we have three groups. One that meets in Portage Park, one that meets here in Montclair, and one that meets in Dunning. These real communities are groups of people from our church family who get together throughout the week to eat meals together, to uh, open the Bible and study together, to pray together, to grow together, and ultimately serve our community together as our mission fields. And we want to start, uh, we want to start extra real communities. And with that, it's going to require new homes, new leaders, more people getting connected in God's mission. Fourth, there, we want to move to two worship services on a Sunday morning. That's something that God has put in our heart for about eight months now, and we've been trying to discern, okay, what are things that need to be in place in order to make that happen? Now, you've got to understand here, church, there's a purpose for that, and it's not so that we can tell people how many people go to the brook. That, that, that's a number we are not very concerned about. We're not trying to increase our numeric capacity. We're trying to increase our sending capacity. See, one of our great burdens of the brook, and this is in our last point there, is to plant new churches. We want to start more churches. And we believe the more people that come to the brook, the more people we can say, hey, is God telling you to go? Because we want to send you with our blessing. We want you to go with this person to start a new church in a new community. And the more people that are part of this church family, the more people we can send out, the more churches we can start, and the more we can see the fame of God spread throughout this city. And so we want to increase not just our seating capacity, but our sending capacity. And we want to move toward that this October, Lord willing, even perhaps on our third anniversary Sunday. And so fifthly, ultimately, is to start new churches There's something God is doing in the city of Chicago that's beautiful. Uh, We are connected with the Evangelical Free Church of America. It's our denomination. It's what we're connected with. They provide us accountability. They make sure we stay on the right path. They make sure that we're doing things in a way that honors God. But they give us the freedom, of course, to do whatever we want within those bounds. Um, And as part of our denomination, I'm I'm very involved with our leadership. We want to start more churches in Chicago. We have a church this year starting in Ukrainian Village neighborhood. It's pretty exciting. We got a church starting in the North Park community about a year from now. And just recently, there was a church in Schiller Park that was connected with us. Um, they had a lot of different things go on, but they ended up having to close the church building down. And they gave their building to our denomination and said, hey, we want someone to start a new church here in this location. That's exactly our story here at the Brook. God gave us this building to start a new church. And so I'm going to be sitting on the oversight team to find that church planter in Schiller Park and to start a new church there in Schiller Park about 15 minutes from us, just northwest. Isn't that exciting? Man, it gets me so amped. And I would love to see God raise up a planter and maybe, maybe God would call some of you. Say, you know, I live out that way. Or, you know, I have a burden for that community. I'd love to help them get off the ground. I'd love to use my gifts and my strengths to bless them. And we want to we raise you up for those purposes. So, so this is the big picture vision where we think God is heading, taking us in the next six months. And in the years to come, this is the rotation we want to do. It keep sending people out, starting churches, multiplying real communities throughout our neighborhoods. And so this is where we want to be. And so we're going to look at 1 Peter 4 and see how God's word relates to the vision he's put on our heart here. 
We see at the very beginning, Peter wrote this letter to a group of Christians who were suffering. He talks about the different fiery trials they are experiencing. And he tells them here in verse 7 that the end of all things is at hand. He tells them, you guys are living in the last days. And some of you, you know, the pessimists in you might say, Peter, that was 2,000 years ago. How long are these last days going to be? How long is the end going to be? Well, Peter says in the next letter that a day to the Lord is like a thousand years. And so we don't work on our time. God works on his own time. But what Peter is triggering for us is this very reality that kingdoms rising and falling don't mark history. That seasonal changes don't mark time, so to speak. But it's God working out his plan to save people. And when Jesus came to this earth, truly God in the form of man, truly man, he lived a perfect life and died on the cross to give you and me forgiveness when we put our faith in him. When he did that and he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, that ascension into heaven marked the beginning of the end. There were were no other things that God said I would fulfill until the time of the end would come now. The church age had begun, and from now till Jesus' is coming is considered the last days. And Peter's here, here telling the church, the end of all times is here. And, you know, I firmly believe that when we, we remember the big picture, we begin to understand our lives with a greater purpose. When we understand the urgency of the last days, the temporary nature of our lives, the expiration dates in our souls, then we're called out to serve God more radically. And I know some of you here today, uh, you're not a follower of Jesus. You're exploring the Christian faith. You're here today uh, maybe to support someone. Maybe you're just curious. And I'm so, so glad you're here. Because what you're hearing now is the heart of, the, of Christianity, the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. It's to surrender our lives entirely to him, to receive his forgiveness, and then to live for him. God is not about creating consumers, but involved people who are about his mission. And so here Peter is trying to wake up the church and saying, you're in the last times. It's urgent. Be ready. The end of all things are at hand. This past uh, Friday, we had a men's barbecue And we ate a lot of red meat. I mean, it was a good time. The grill was going for hours. But, you know, all of us, after about an hour, sat down in a chair and looked at each other like, wow, I'm tired. It's just like you felt that steak sitting right here. And I I was reading up on this, and apparently red meat takes longer to process, so you feel more fatigued. And I know what happens in life is sometimes life becomes, becomes hard to process and you become spiritually fatigued. And you just want to kind of lay low and say, you know what, God, not right now, God. Not right now. And yes, rest is good. Hear me. Go on a vacation. Get away. That's good. But don't coast. Don't coast. And, and Peter's here telling them, end times are here. You're living the last days. I, I want to pause right now and I want to pray. Because if you feel dry today, I'm going to pray right now that God would waken you up. Because we we don't want to keep moving dry and just dead spiritually. So, Father, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters who are just feeling exhausted with life right now. And, Lord, I pray that you would just embrand on their minds that they have a, a purpose in your grand plan. 
So I pray that they would not give in, they would not give up, that they would not let this lethargy dictate their lives, but they would say, God, awaken me and raise me up to your great plans, God. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name, amen. And so this is why we're doing the game days. This is why we get on our communities. We want people to understand life is short, hell is real, heaven is beautiful, and God is amazing. You want to meet him? We want to tell you about him. We want to tell you about Jesus. See, the big picture reminds us that our big God uses little people to do big things in little ways. That's what the big picture does. God is big, we are small, but he can do big things through us as we do the little things for his glory. And so Peter tells him, the end of all things is at hand. But then he says, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. What he tells us is that the big picture perspective invigorates a dry prayer life. He tells him to be self-controlled and sober-minded. To be self-controlled means to have a mature evaluation of something. You, you know when you've had those reflex reactions, and right after you react, you realize, bad idea. And you're like, that lacked a maturity about me. And I hate when that happens because I feel so little at that moment. Like, Eric, you know better than this. Because I wasn't self-controlled in that moment in my reaction, the way I responded to something. And Peter's saying you need to be self-controlled. You need to to let God's Holy Spirit work in you so you're not just always going one way to another, shifting so easily. And he adds on top of that to be sober-minded. Now, God calls us to be sober from alcohol, to not let drink control our lives and dictate what we do and dictate our thoughts and our actions. But here he specifies to be sober-minded. It's to to not not let our minds become drunk on things that distract us from what's most important. And here he says to be self-controlled and sober-minded with the purpose of praying. The purpose of praying. I know there's been times in my life I've been so distracted that I just don't pray. And I feel the Holy Spirit moving like, Eric, just stop and pray. And I'm like, but I got things to do. I got checklists to check. And the Spirit says, just pause. You ever been on Facebook and you're about to go on it because on it, you, you need to make a comment. You need to uh, see something real quick. And real quick becomes 20 minutes. You get on it to say something. I do this all the time when I'm trying to make an announcement for the brook or something. I get on, and then there's this video about a cat. I'm like, oh, this cat. Oh, my friend comments, oh, I haven't seen that friend in a while. How they're doing? And before you know it, I'm like, wait, what did I come on here for? And I forget. I close it up, and I get back to my computer, and then I see the reminder. that, Oh, so then I go back on it again. I'm like, stay focused, you know. That's right. And so and that's exactly what I want to say. Sometimes... We need distance from the things that prevent us from being sober-minded. And again, some things aren't bad. ESPN is not inherently wrong. Following the NBA draft isn't bad, but it becomes something that can consume us. And we're thinking more about sports or Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever it is. But we're not praying. And what Peter is saying here is, We live in the last days here. Let the big picture invigorate your dryness. And so if you are feeling just dry and zapped spiritually today, I just want to challenge you to fast. 
cut something out for a season. Maybe just say, when I get home, this phone is going on a basket in our kitchen table, and I'm not going back to it. Maybe saying, I'm going to hold off of Facebook for two weeks. Maybe I'm not going to listen to ESPN 1000 on the way home from work, but I'm going to pray. Whatever it is, just withhold in order to let God awaken you again. Because again, we're in the last times. God wants to use you for his big picture purposes. Peter says, be sober-minded and be self-controlled for the sake of your prayers. And so we're going to go on a prayer walk here in a few minutes in order that we can help God, not help God, let God help us become more focused in praying for our community. Peter goes on to say, and above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. See, the big picture perspective leads us to love radically. When we talk about living life in real community, we're inviting a lot of frustration. When you want people over your house, you're inviting some challenges at times. When you want to walk together, there's going to be heartache. But love covers a multitude of sins, not that it brings forgiveness, but helps us overlook offenses. Like, is it really worth losing a friend over something so insignificant? Our pride prevents us so often from having these substantive relationships and we become very thin-skinned and get hurt and offended. And and here Peter's like, love radically. Just love somebody. Are you acting loving? Let it cover that. And sometimes even, love can even, in those relational ways, cover some major offenses. Major ones, not just minor ones. So we want to be the church that loves radically And we want to do that as the church in our real communities. We hear Peter also says, not only does the big picture help us pray, help us love each other, but in verse 9, he says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. See, the big picture perspective helps us uh, joyfully be hospitable to each other. We want to multiply real communities at the brook. We want to have more people gathering in more homes, in more neighborhoods, to permeate our northwest side of Chicago. And every one of our real communities says, we're going to focus our love and our affection and our serving on a particular place in our neighborhood. In our Portage Park real community in Dunning, they've been serving Steinmetz High School. Our Montclair real community has been serving the youth in our community here at the church. But how great would it be to see more groups start, even here in Montclair or another maybe in Portage? or in Belmont Cragen with new focuses and new groups of people to love. But we need homes. We need people who are going to say, my house will be home base for this mission. And there are a lot of hard things that come with it. And that's why Peter says, if you're going to be hospitable, do it without grumbling. Because there will be hard times. There will be times when someone tracks mud onto the floor or drops a piece of pizza. There will be times you'll be discouraged maybe by the way a kid is acting in your home. But we want to show hospitality without grumbling, remembering the bigger picture and saying, you know what? There's bigger things out here. We want to serve the Lord together. We want to be on his mission. There's other ways of being hospitable here at the brook, even on Sunday mornings. I don't know if Mariah's in the room at the moment. I know Darren is right now. Darren, raise your hand. Grateful for you and your wife. You guys have done a great job on Sunday mornings setting up those who are going to be uh, providing refreshments downstairs afterward. 
That's important because it helps us communicate together. We get to go downstairs, sip a cup of coffee. Not today, though, but normally. Eat some food and just hang out for another half hour, 45 minutes, hour. And a lot of times we don't think, oh, who brought that bread? Who, who brought that, that watermelon or whatever it might be? And so we need more people to say, you know what? I want to volunteer to help set up and take down and clean up and bring food. Bring food. So talk with Darren, talk with Mariah, and we'd love to see that happen. We want to show hospitality without grumbling in our homes, here in our, this building, and everywhere, everywhere we're at. We want to use our lives to serve one another. And lastly, this big picture that Peter says is to use our gifts willingly. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter says that each has received a gift. He's writing to the church here. And what the Bible tells us, when we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself, begins to dwell within God's children permanently. He takes residency within us, and he seals us for eternity. And as part of that, he gives each of us, it says here, a gift, an ability that we could use something to bring God glory. It's a God-given ability for a God-glorifying purpose. So imagine you give somebody a birthday gift, and it's it's a shirt. And maybe three weeks later, you see them wearing the shirt. You feel a sense of like, yeah, I got it. I nailed that one. <laughs> or when there's other times you get them something, and like months and maybe a year passes by, you're like, I've never seen them wear that shirt. And you still you're a, little, a little bothered by that, like, what, you don't like my gift? <laughs> and we, we, we find a certain delight when someone uses a gift that we give. And I think it's similar where, where God has given us gifts, and he's like, don't stick it in the closet. Use it. And there's two that Peter speaks of. He says, for those who speak and to those who serve. See, every gift falls into those two categories. And he says, those who speak, speak the oracles of God. And what he means is, let the truth, God's word, and the gospel, this good news of Jesus, permeate your speaking so that when you bless others, when you encourage them, when you confront them, when you speak the truth of God's word, when you teach, it's the word of God that's on your lips. And for those who serve, he says, do so with the strength that God supplies. Don't do it on your own strength. When we do it on our own strength, that's when we grumble. That's when we're frustrated. That's when I'm irritated, when I'm trying to do it by Eric's strength. And I'm not strong enough to do that when someone just bothers me. But when I have the big picture, the God-glorifying picture, when I'm able to actually focus and be sober-minded, I remember, man, God, there's something bigger at play here something more important than me here. And so that's what God wants us to use our our gifts to serve and to speak with one another. And when we talk about moving to two worship services to increase our sending capacity, we need more of you to be uh, committed and involved in this work. To, To not simply be those who come on Sunday mornings, but those who are involved in the life of what God is doing. So I just want to exhort you, I want to encourage you to use your gifts for God's glorifying purposes. And we need that to happen as a church if we're going to live out this vision that God has put on our hearts. 
See, the big picture reminds us how our big God uses little people to make a big difference, little by little. And so this is what's before us, church, these five vision points. And we just want to entrust them into God's care. Even before summer starts, we know there's a busyness, there's vacations. But we want to just put these in your ears so you can just meditate on it. And as fall, we start launching some of these things. You say, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, I want to open my home. Or yeah, I want to be a part of a real community. Yeah, I want to make disciples. You know, we have, uh, throughout the summer, this thing we call DNA groups, Discover, Nurture, and Act. They're groups of three people that are getting together, committed to getting together to read the Bible together throughout the summer. And what's so encouraging to me is we have over 20 DNA groups that are set to go. Over 20 and these are groups of three and sometimes four people, which means there's about, there's over 60 of you who are committed to your spiritual growth by being a part of a DNA group. That excites me. And maybe just me saying that today, you're like, man, I want to be a part of that. Come talk with me or Jeremy. We'd love to help you find somewhere to connect. But this is, this is what it's about, church. We are the church. You're not at church. We are the body of Christ, and we want, want to be about God's mission. So with that being said... We want to pray. We want to hit the streets. And we want to get out there and let our community just be covered with prayer. So, Jeremy, would you come on up and just uh, teach us what, or tell us what the instructions are for our prayer walk. Um, and just so you know, in a few moments, the Brook kids are going to be in the gym here. And as we exit the sanctuary, parents, you can pick your kid up from the gym. And we want them to join us on the prayer walk um, to model for our kids these thirsty prayers uh, from a young age. And we'll also have bottled water and granola in the foyer. So if you got a little munchies here, you don't have to stop anywhere. Just grab some, and you can take that with you on the prayer walk. So, Jeremy, uh, what are we going to do here? One, two, okay. We're on. So, so we as a church at this moment, as Eric said, is we're going to, as active participants of this church service, take, take the church out into the street by praying. And this is an exciting time, but... Uh, just, I just want to define what prayer is before we even go for it, okay? For, for some people might not exactly know what prayer is. Prayer is calling forth God to intervene in history now, okay? God has a plan for history, but God loves to use people to bring forth his plans and his good and perfect design. So we as a church, we want to pray that the kingdom of God would be present here in this community in our great city of Chicago. Okay? So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be praying to God, communicating with God to do four things as a church. Okay? And, and I, I wrote this down on a piece of paper. It's called Pray Montclair. Okay? I kind of borrowed the name from another ministry. But... We're going to be praying for specific places in our community, and we're going to be walking there praying for these points. Is this. We're going to pray that people far from God would place their faith in Jesus. We're going to pray for the afflicted. Those are people who, uh, uh, there's a lot of children who are fatherless in our community, the oppressed in our community. There, there are a lot of hurting marriages in our community. We want to pray for that as a church. We want to pray for existing churches. We have a number of churches here in our community, but we have, what, about 42,000 people as well. So we want to pray for the health of those communities, for the pastors. And we also want to pray that God would raise up new church plants. Right. And then we also want to pray um, for households in general, for families, marriages, the youth, 
and singles, okay? And next to each of these points, as you walk, there's also some scripture listed. Feel free to, as you pray out loud, to, to proclaim, declare those scriptures as a group. Okay, so he, here are some instructions for our prayer walk. Let me, let me jump in real quick. Yes. I know for some of you, like, I've never prayed out loud in my life, and I don't plan on doing that today either. And so I just want to just encourage you, like, we're not trying to pressure you to do that. You know, no one's, you're going to be on a walk, and people are like, hey, it's your turn. Get up with this, you know. Um, so if you're just not comfortable praying out loud, don't feel the obligation to do it. Although I do want to encourage you uh, to learn it. And we learn it by hearing others and, and just learning to talk to God. And so maybe today's the day you learn to do it. Maybe if you're not ready, that's all right. Still go on the prayer walk, pray in your heart. Uh, so I just want you to know that. We, we're not trying to isolate you and make you feel uh, like an outcast. Thank you. So, so he, here are some instructions for, for the prayer walk. So the first thing is, as soon as we're done here, we're going to go to the front of our building. And we're, I'm going to do a corporate prayer together for our community on the, on the megaphone. Okay? Together we're going to do that. And then we're going to disperse in groups of four to five adults, okay? And you could bring your children with you. Um, it's going to be a great time for them to witness that and to pray alongside you as, as we pray through our community. So in groups of four or five, we're going to go out and pray. And then we're going to go to nine specific locations. Your group can pick one of nine locations. Um, I'll just list them just, just so it's clear. One of them is Shabona Park. Okay, you're going to prayer walk to Shabona Park. Uh, the other two are, are the businesses on Belmont going toward Harlem and then also going toward Narganset. Then uh, I lumped uh, two together, Bell Park and Lock Elementary School we want to pray for. And then we also want to pray for our alderman's office, the, the local government here going down to Versi, uh, going toward Harlem. And then we also want to go to the brickyard. Okay, we want to pray for, for families and as the, as the Spirit of God leads you to pray. So, so, so again, the, the goal is to get to those lo- locations on your way over there to pray for the prayer points listed here. And then when you get to the, lo- those locations, pray for the people who frequent there, the families that frequent there, the employees that work there, and however the Lord leads you to pray. Uh, an important part of this, too, that I want to make note is um, as you are praying in a group, there might be somebody that the Lord just prompts you to pray with. So you could ask them, hey, we're, we're, we're a church here at, at, at the brook on the corner of Oak Park and Diversity. Um, is there any way that we can pray for you as, as, as church members? And, and most people will say yes. If people say no, don't feel bad. It's okay. Um, just just uh, say thank you for, for your time and keep going. Um, so do do that as the Lord leads. Um, finally, we're going to aim to be back here at 1235. Okay? All of us, all of the groups. So try to get to your locations and back um, by 1235. You know what? Let's go 12, 1240. And when you come back, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to end in a communal prayer as well. Okay? And again... We have a lot of plans, but the truth is that, that the Lord has to go before us. We want to be dependent upon God for the things that we want to see him do through us, okay? So is there anything else you want to add to that? Let's go. Okay. Um, there's a question, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 
You could do that, yes. And so, yeah, so you might get sidetracked and not make it to your location. That's okay. Yeah. All right? Let's say you're on your way to the brickyard. Someone's praying, and you, you, you stop to pray with somebody, and it just they're, they're talking, and it takes every time. That's all right. So we'll do that, yeah. And we also have maps. Maps yes, for thank you. For so thank you. Groups. And some, and thank you so much. We talked about this. So there's some I know just various reasons. You can't walk, maybe it's knees or feet, whatever it is. Um, those of you who can't be on a prayer walk, uh, not just because you don't feel like it. If you don't feel like it, get out there and walk. But if you just can't, um, let's be here in the sanctuary and pray uh, for, for maybe Bell Park or something in the immediate community. So we definitely want to, to uh, we, we recognize that. And so we, uh, for that group, you can stay here in the air conditioner. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned the kids already. Yep. Yep. All right, so let's, let's do this. Um, let's take just five minutes. And again, I know this is different. We usually close with the song. But I'm excited about this. So let's take just a couple minutes, grab the kids, let's meet on the front lawn, and uh, we'll, we'll dismiss from there.